What's up, everybody? It's the middle of the day in the middle of the week, and you're listening to another Fuller sh- Show with Josh Fuller. You're on KTXF The Real. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Josh Fuller sh- 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 Show. <laughs> uh, we are here on a Wednesday, which we always are. We usually are live on KTXF, The Real. You can use your TuneIn app to listen to us live. Otherwise, you can listen to the podcast later as we, whenever you want. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts. We had Kenna Danielle in the studio this week, and I've known Kenna for a very long time, since she was about 13 years old. She started playing music when she was 11. She asked her dad to teach her or get guitar lessons for her when she was eight. So Kenna, this is a lifelong journey for her so far, and she's doing a really good job at it. And we really had a good time listening to her stories. She just got back from Steamboat, and she had plenty of stories to tell. And we had a really good time hanging out with her. It was a lot of fun. Also joining us was Randy Young. Randy used to work for CBS as an engineer in radio, and he also worked for Lieberman Broadcasting. Now he has his own studio called Cut and Shoot Studios out of Cut and Shoot, Texas, where he does a lot of his own video and audio work, uh, including doing a lot of work with John Schneider, who you'll remember he played Bo Duke in the Dukes of Hazard, as well as Clark Kent's dad in Smallville and a bunch of other stuff. He also had a lot of musical accomplishments in his day. So, And he's got more stuff coming out now, as a matter of fact. So we have a lot to catch up on and a lot to talk about, and we are glad you are here. Please share this podcast if you like it with your friends. And if you want to be a part of the show, that's the best thing is to tune in live using your TuneIn app every Wednesday from 1 to 3 p.m. at KTXF The Real. Thanks for listening, y'all. Just two good old boys, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curves, and on a blind in the hills. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. <laughs> Making their way. That's just a little bit more than the law would allow. Good, 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 good. Go, bro, Doolin! Go!
I'm a good old boy. You know the network loves me. <laughs> But they don't understand how we kept loyal fans all these years on TV. No, they don't understand how we kept loyal fans all these years on TV. Had to let that last part go. That uh, <laughs> that, that last little fiddle drag. 
Anyway, all right, we are back. Um, you're tuned into the uh, KTXF, the real everybody. If you want, to, if you're listening to it now, you already know how you find it. But if you're listening to the podcast later, later and you want to hear this show live, go to the TuneIn app and then uh, search for KTXF DB, the real, or just KTXF. The rest of it will kind of pop up for you, and it's real easy. And if you want to text into the show, I got to remember to turn on my app here. If you want to text into the show so y'all can tell Kenna how much you love her and, and Randy how awesome his voice sounds on radio, you can text in to 832-910-7359, 832-910-7359. And uh, we'll get the, the text right here, and then you guys can uh, participate in the show. Right? Sounds right. Good. All right. Good. Yeah. So you flew into our little area, our your hometown yesterday. Yes. And I knew you were in town because you posted a tweet about United losing <laughs> your guitar after they stripped it from your hands yes. in Denver. I I have had that argument several times with people about. No, it's my right to have my guitar with me in the overhead, and then you know sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. So it didn't uh, work out for you. It huh? didn't work out. In fact, it went the complete opposite. Um, oh gosh, it was so irritating. Uh, and I'm usually pretty, I'm pretty, you know, diplomatic with these kind of things because I realize there's lots of people on this plane and everything. But um, long story short, there are five groups boarding. Right, it's a big mm-hmm. old plane. I was in the second group, so there's plenty of overhead space, right? That, when you got on, yeah. Yeah, when I got on. Right. Well, they made me stay behind and board last. Why? Good question. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Okay. So I was the absolute last person on this full flight, and the guy was like, well, if there's room in the overhead, I'm like, are you kidding me? There's not going to be... There was going to be room, right. but Right, on the not. ticket that I paid for, exactly. good money to have my spot. Exactly. Oh, it drives me nuts. Oh, so long story short, we go we get to Houston from Denver and I get off the plane and no one can tell me where to go to find my guitar because the guy took my guitar. And he's like, "Well, we're going to take care of it and it'll be there in uh, in Houston." I'm like, "Well, it better be." So I get there and no one can tell me where to go. So finally within after 20 minutes after walking around the Houston airport, we found where to find the my dang guitar. Oh, <laughs> so my God. It was just like, come on, guys. This is my, this is my, the only tool I need to work just about. Yeah. And, and that's why they, <laughs> I swear they just, they passed, maybe they, re, maybe they changed it again, but a couple of years ago, there was a law that they actually yeah. passed it that you, it is your tool. You have yeah. to have it. So you're, yeah. put it in your overhead. I have that law in my guitar case, but I, I don't know what I did to this guy in Denver, but this guy was totally against me. Uh, so I told him, I was like, hey, man, like, I'm not trying to argue with you, but this is a federal law and this is what I, this is like the one thing right. that I need to work and everything else, you know. Uh, somebody's socks and underwear, I think, is a little bit less important than <laughs> exactly. my instrument. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's a way uh, to make money. I mean, it's exactly. my living. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's totally your living. the only way that I can make money. So, uh, anyways, long story short, I was, I was sitting there trying to talk to this guy. Like, okay, look, I promise there's going to be overhead space right now. And then eventually he was like, you know what? Just you're going to go to the back. And he, he made this argument with... Uh, that law is only valid if there's room in the overhead space. And I'm like, trust me, there was, but you made me born last. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> maybe, understand. maybe he, maybe he liked you, and he was trying to get you to miss the plane on purpose, <laughs> and so that you'd have to wait for another right? flight. And in that time, he could get your number. Oh my gosh! You could play him a song. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's uh, that really sucks. I've been fortunate. Now, granted, I haven't had to travel as much as uh, most rock stars travel, but. <laughs> Um, and if I did, I drove usually, but I've taken my guitar a couple of times. Like I flew to Nashville with my guitar and I was, uh, yeah. lucky enough to not have to uh, gate check it. Like I, 
I don't know if I was just an ass enough to, to make them play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Because I'm always really nice. But if I know something yeah. for a fact, I don't, I don't like to debate people and argue people because I get so flustered. I get I don't, I don't can't just right. have an even keel debate. Uh-huh. Let's, let's talk about the facts. No. If I know something, I'm completely in, 100%. <laughs> and then you contradict me in my, in my adrenaline rushes and I'm just, no! I turn into a rage monster. So. Yeah, you don't want to hurt anybody at the airport these right. days. Sometimes. No, you don't want to yell at people at the airport for sure. And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe Antonio Banderas with his guitar case uh, guns ruined it for everybody. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, let's uh, get into a little bit of Steamboat, why don't we? So this yeah. was your first year to go? This was actually my fourth year to go. Oh, wow. Um I'm still not one of those official artists on the, yeah. the Dixon roster, but uh, this was the first year that I did have multiple shows there. Uh, I got to play on a couple of the Rebecca Creek stages. And, so they um, have more than one now. They have three, I believe. Okay. Well, that was um, cool then. Wow. Yeah. Uh, maybe don't quote me on that, but <laughs> I played on two of them uh, three times, so that was really, that was really cool. Um, got to gain some exposure there. Yeah. Oh, we all need exposure. The more exposure, the better. <laughs> totally. Especially, yeah. well, hey, in, in Steamboat, <laughs> in Steamboat Colorado, exposure real. is yeah. a real thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a couple, in more ways than one, it really is. But yeah. Uh, I went with Rebecca Crete three or four years ago. That's cool. And it was just when they did Slopeside. Uh-huh. And, uh, and as I said on the on the way up, I rode up with Josh Ward, Zach Nytomp, and... Uh, uh, Shane Smith oh, wow, and all their so cool. guys, and um, and then that's when uh, Justin was still playing guitar with Josh. But we rode up, and it was horrible weather. It ended up taking us almost twenty hours to get there. It was the oh worst gosh. drive ever. Me and Josh never slept, and oh. so we got there. And uh, Josh is a trooper; he can just do whatever, and uh, and he knows a lot of people. So he kind of got up there and kind of hit the ground running. He was off to network <laughs> and do his thing. And I got there, and I was already not feeling good the second we got like unpacked and unloaded. And mm-hmm. um, that particular year, I didn't have passes to any part of the festival except for Slopeside. Like that's where I was oh, going to play, and no. so all I could do was oh, go to Slopeside. And I didn't know enough people to just like be squeezing in the back rooms and the backstages yeah. and everything. And, um, and so I, I think I was a little disheartened about that. And, uh, and then I let my, the sickness kind of take me over. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up staying in my hotel room almost the entire time, except for when I went to play Slopeside. And I think the third show that I was supposed to play Slopeside, I couldn't even get out of the bed. Really? It was terrible. No. Yeah, it was terrible. And unfortunately, that was the first time that I'd met Zach and Shane. And so I saw, I played a show with Zach a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And Zach's like, man, I'll be honest with you. We all thought you were just being an asshole. And I was like, dang it, man. My one time (laughs) to kind of go out and network with other cool people at at Steamboat, and they just all thought I was a jerk, and I just stayed in my room. Oh, no. And I was just sick. I just had nothing else to, I mean, you know, what was I going to do? But uh, So that's my sad story. So let's hear all your uplifting stories about all all the things you got to do. Well, mine is the complete opposite. I don't think I ever, honestly, I don't think I got more than 12 hours of sleep the whole week. Uh, I actually got home last night from the plane and I fell asleep and I woke up just a, a few minutes before I had to head this way. Wow. I was not expecting that, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. I got to play two shows at Slopeside and one, then one of the newer Rebecca Creek stages, Double Diamonds. And it was really cool. Um, uh, Mario Flores is the one that does the booking for those things and he, yeah. he adds on so many artists and we actually got to play, uh, I got to play with a guy named Isaac Jacob and he mm-hmm. is super, super talented if you haven't looked him up. Okay. And, um. Actually, one really cool thing was uh, me, uh, my, my buddy, his name is Wes Barlow. He's out of, out of College Station. 
he's actually really good friends with my bass player, Wes Smith. And uh, Wes Barlow, Barlow plays the fiddle. And he got this kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and got to play with Stoney LaRue in the Big Tent at Music Fest. That's awesome. Yeah, so I watched him with Stoney, and then the next day he played with me at Slopeside yeah. <laughs> on the fiddle. And I was That's like, yes, cool. it was super cool. Um, it's just, I love Music Fest. You get to be just surrounded by all these different artists and, um, it's, it's just like, they're just really yeah, and cool. See, and that's the experience I was hoping to get when I went and I just yeah. I missed out on that. Cause I went to, uh, the, the, the Nashville CRS week, which is uh, country radio seminar week. And so oh, nice. it's when all the, all the radio, your big people come into to, to town, to Nashville and they all do their seminars and they learn what's going to what they're doing this year and who's going to be hot and who's not and all this other stuff. It's uh, all the good behind-the-scenes stuff. But um, also all the artists come back into town to thank radio. So it's right. the one week you can go to Nashville and it's what you Hollywood would let you think Nashville is to where you're going around a corner and you're bumping into somebody <laughs> important, you know. And uh, I got to meet so many people there. And so it was, it was really neat. And mm-hmm. I didn't get to play with anybody cool up there but i was playing a show i don't know if i've already told this story on a previous episode or not i was playing a show at the stage on broadway mm-hmm. and i was doing my song heart on which is my <laughs> little dump double entendre song and um oh man i don't forgot his name now yep that's gonna be bad for radio oh yeah i always forget names that's why i'm looking up ahead of time so i don't forget <laughs> Uh, Vince Neal of Motley Crue oh, walks, nice. he walks in and he's got a little entourage of girls with him or whatever. And I'm in the middle of the course and I'd already prepped the bar to be singing the course back to me and that call back, <laughs> you know, I'm like hard on and they're like hard on. So he's walking in the door to hear, and I'm right in the middle of the course. And all he hears is hard on. <laughs> and I see him stop and kind of just do a little thing like this. He didn't look at me yet, but you could tell he was paying attention. And then I got to the second part where I say it again. And he just kind of turned around to me, and he just kind of mouthed the words like "all right." And then he just turned around, and went right. back, went back to the bar, and started drinking. I was just like, "Okay, that was a pretty cool thing." Not That's only awesome. not only did I sing with him in the bar, but I got his attention too. So um, it's hard to avoid a hard on in a Nashville bar, I guess. Is the moral <laughs> of that true. story? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So um, and you took I saw you took a picture with one of my favorite dudes, Cody Canada. I did. I ran into him a couple times. I didn't expect his beard to still have so much color in it. It must have. He must have added some color to that beard before Steve. What is it? The men's the just for men. Just yeah, for men. It's the just for Cody. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. Just, just for Cody. Cody. <laughs> yeah, no, he was awesome. Yeah, we got to see him at the the ballroom and. Uh, yeah, he he always puts on a great show. He brought his kids up on stage, and they they his just his son can play it. guitar, man. Oh my gosh, oh, yeah, good grief! Mm-hmm. I saw him at uh, Main Street Crossing. They were just doing sound check. I think they'd finished sound check, and right. Stoney and Mike McClure, or not Stoney, I'm sorry, Cody and Mike McClure are sitting over in the corner, just hanging out, and, uh, and his son's just up there, just busting out some. Heck I think yeah, I think it was Voodoo Child or something. It was something very recognizable, <laughs> and uh, just just. Just, oh, it's great. It's good stuff. That's but so cool. It is. My kids have no interest in music, and that's fine. They got their own interests. I'll, I'll push them whatever they want to do. Right. Speaking of, we got some, I got some some uh, creative liberties to take later, and not today, but <laughs> my my eight year olds on a baseball team, and they're going to going to go to the World Series this year. So we're going to be raising money through my show, probably because uh, no this is a sports network after all. So I get to talk about my kids. Um, tournament team, which is going to be pretty cool. You happen to have a, a brother that plays a little bit of baseball, just a little bit of baseball, just a little bit. Talk um, about him. Give him some props. Yeah. Well, he's playing us. He's playing single A ball with the the Dodgers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he's heading back to Arizona. 
I believe that's where he's going. I don't know. One time he was in Michigan for a few weeks for the same team, so I'm a little confused about that. But I think he's based out of Arizona. But right now he's in Conroe. And I actually think the Houston News is doing a uh, should be doing a show on him either tonight or tomorrow. Um, they were at the um, there's a big old baseball facility, and he's gotten to work out with. Uh, Oh, gosh, I want to say Jose Altuve. Uh, all the Astros guys. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So, well, I remember this about this time last... When, when did I run into you at Green? And he had just gotten done with tryouts. He had tried out... He did a big team workout with the Astros. Yeah. And it was right before the draft, like the yeah, week before the draft. Yeah, this was like this summer. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's... We really had cool. no idea what was going to happen. And it's really crazy because people... You know, in the draft, there's different rounds, and everyone thinks that the higher round you go, the more money, the bigger signing bonus you get. But he actually got drafted in the top one of the top ten rounds, and they gave him like a thousand dollar signing bonus, which is nothing. That's like pennies <laughs> compared to. We may not hey, be able I've to talk seen, about uh, some well, single A ball players no. be traded for catfish. Okay. Exactly, exactly. And so yeah. what, he has these agents, and they're like, "No, just just wait, just wait. Like you're gonna get drafted later, and it's gonna be better. Just trust me." And yeah. we're like, "What? How's that working?" And it ended up. I think he got drafted in the 13th round, and he got... It was just crazy. You don't expect... I right. Mean, well, you're bonuses. used to hearing all the big yeah, numbers of the people exactly. that make it to the to the actual mm-hmm. major right. whatever. So it's uh, totally different. It's related, but it's obviously not... Um, it's You can't compare. But my son plays a game called The Show on uh-huh, yeah. PlayStation. And so you start off... You're a player, and you create your player, and you get to go through uh, the tryouts, and then you get drafted by a team, and then you got to work your way up through the minor leagues and all that. And even in that game, it's telling you, just take whatever money they offer you because in the minors, you aren't, you're not expected to make that much. Just uh-huh. take what you can, show off, and do your thing, and then the money comes later. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that y'all will laugh about that someday. It'll oh, be, yeah. It'll be really cool. And then... He'll be buying catfish for everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, have a big fish fry. I remember didn't Roy Oswalt got a bulldozer as a bonus one year, I think. What? Or something uh, like that. So some kind there, of a There's tractor. all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah, this was back. Shoot. I mean, it made national That's news. country. <laughs> we, we got a place we, we need to use that. So. Marshall, come on. Can I get yeah, a backhoe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Marshall. It was like, step up your game, yeah. dude. Start asking for stuff that your family can use, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Marshall Kosaski, y'all be looking out for him. He's he's kicking butt. He's been he's a pitcher, right? He is. Yep. Um, he's a pitcher, and he's been working his butt off. I, I kind of have to share a little bit of a backstory behind him, just because I'm so proud, and it's it's pretty inspirational. Um, but uh, he went to Oak Ridge High School here in Conroe, and couldn't make the baseball team up until his junior year, and then he was put on JV and never played a game, mm. and then finally his senior year, there was a coaching change. And he finally got put on varsity. And that was really his only high school experience. And everyone was telling him, you're never going to play college ball. You're never going to do this. And he ended up getting a full full four years of college paid for oh, completely yeah. because of awesome. baseball. And now he's, in the, now he's playing ball for real. So Yeah, playing ball, <laughs> ball for real yeah. for a legit team. So, yeah, right, Making a living at it. Hey, exactly. If you can do that, that's great. That's exactly. really, really cool. So uh, I guess we could do a quick segue then into the next break. And uh, you wrote a song for your brother. I did. You can tell the story about that yeah. one too. We'll play it right after we uh, go to break. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, a quick story about this song. It's called A Cross, two words. And... Um, it's about Marshall. He was playing ball at U of H. Uh, I, gosh, I can't remember what year. I want to say 2015. Uh, but December 21st, 2015, he was in a really bad car accident. And uh, it basically, we at the time, we thought that it ruined his baseball career. But it, it only ruined his season. 
And, you know, whenever we were getting the calls from the paramedics and everything, the paramedics told us that they showed up to the accident uh, with body bags. They were not expecting anyone to be alive, especially not the driver of that car. And um, sure enough, they show up to the scene. He's walking around and he he walked away with just a little just a concussion and some a little bit of internal damage, but it was nothing crazy. And then it ended up being the best thing possible because U of H ended up cutting his scholarship because of this accident. Uh, just as a business business decision, he couldn't mm-hmm. play for a whole season, so they had to put the money towards someone else. Right. And because of that, um, he ended up going to transferring to WT out in West Texas, uh, West Texas A and M, and they did give him a full ride scholarship, and that is where the Dodgers started looking at him, and also the Astros Man. looked at him too. So, yeah, it's just I mean, it's proof there's always a bigger plan out it there totally, than what you think yeah. it is. For... And if he was still at U of H, they would have never. They would have never looked at him, so this is really cool. Yeah, well, this is a really good song. I told you, I sent you that text message. Yeah. I mean, I play it almost every time uh, I play have a show, and I it makes me cry awesome. every time. But uh, so yeah, let's listen to the crosses or a cross. I'm sorry, and uh, this is Kenna for her brother.
strange world as wrong She likes being naked and gazed upon She crosses a bridge, she sets it on fire She lands like a bird on a telephone wire Rocks 
If you've had an accident or just a fender bender, the last thing you need to do is tangle with the big city. When Classic Auto Group Collision Center can take care of all your repairs, island style, our certified technicians can repair any maker model, and we back up every repair with a lifetime warranty. Classic Auto Group Collision Center now open at 6601 Harborside Drive, ClassicGalveston.com. Classic Galveston, enjoy the difference, island style. All right, so we're we're back here with Ken and Danielle, and we've been uh, talking off here about some cool stories. So I figured we might as well just repeat what we just talked about a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit. But uh, now I can't remember. Oh, so what I was talking, what we were talking about was um, somehow in my my life, I have come across um, many young, talented people that I'm envious of in a good way because I didn't get the chance to be. Uh, supported and pushed along at an early age i got started in my musical endeavors very late in in life so um i already mentioned earlier that you started when you were 11 but talk about uh, a little bit about how your parents just i've always admired how they supported you i know they they would drive you to every gig and do all that stuff yeah. but um how how did it kind of start to come to where you're like you know what i'm gonna go play music and your dad's like yeah you can go play music and put a tip jar out you know how did all that cart start working out <laughs> yeah well actually okay well take tra- time travel all the way back to when i was eight years old um my great-grandfather passed away and handed down a guitar to my dad my dad played he probably knows about three or four chords he doesn't actually play guitar he, he refuses to say he does but <laughs> he, can, he can pick around a little bit so um basically we were doing some spring cleaning and I was eight years old and he took out that guitar and I just fell in love with the way the instrument sounded and um I begged him I want a guitar lesson so bad and at that point my dad started learning guitar and he was eight and he hated it because he was eight years old and we're of Polish descent and he had Polish family yelling at him in Polish thinking that he, thinking that they were screaming but actually they were just talking to him um yeah I, hey, and I can say this because I'm Polish too uh it's not a pretty language it's not, no, it's we're not. all three Polish okay yeah. how about that three Polacks in one room right oh, no. how'd that happen oh no but uh, but yeah so he never enjoyed it just because the, the way that he was taught and so he was like no 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 you don't want guitar lessons just trust me <laughs> and uh finally I never stopped begging for them and for my 11th birthday uh, my parents got me they instead of uh, my birthday present was guitar lessons for that year which was really cool. And my dad was like, well, if you're going to learn guitar, I want you to learn with someone who actually knows how to play guitar and like can actually teach you and not yell at you in Polish. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sure enough, that started happening. And my parents were like, okay, it's going to be a year. And then six months in, she's going to be tired of it. Never happened. And uh, I actually started writing songs. I didn't know that I was writing songs when I was 11 years old. I right. was just, I always liked to write poetry even before I started playing guitar. And uh, one day I was just like, well... I don't really want to learn someone else's song. Like, what if I just kind of put these this, this poetry to some chords? And I didn't know I was writing songs. And then uh, Tim Nichols, um, he's another really talented musician. Very talented. Yeah, from around around this area. And he heard me in my room one day. He's really good friends with my, my parents. And he was like, what is she doing? Is she singing up there? And like, yeah, but she, she won't sing for us. And so finally he was like, you're writing songs. Like, you know that, right? And um, he took me. He taught me about a, a songwriting camp, and that's when I really wrote my first song um, that I'll admit to writing and kind of go. got taught what a whole verse and chorus was. And and then that's when my parents were like, okay, well, do you do you really enjoy this? Because we'll keep putting money into the guitar lessons and stuff if that's really what you want to do. And um, it never it never went away. That's <laughs> always, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the money is necessary, but the money isn't the thing. But the right. the 
the support of just, hey, if, if this is something that you exactly. do and you're going to be committed to it, mm-hmm. do it. And that's what we were talking about off air, how my kids don't play music, but mm-hmm. they'll play baseball or uh, my older son wants to do a videography and everything. And we've been trying to get him working with Randy as an mm-hmm. intern or something. But uh, <laughs> but as long as they stay committed, I'll I'll put the money necessary for them to have the right, the good exactly. equipment to do it. Because, I mean, you lose motivation if you don't have the good stuff. I mean... Totally. You start riding bikes and you got a crappy bike that weighs 50 pounds, you're not going to ride bikes very long. Right. But uh, so it's the same thing. So it's yeah. really neat that they they did that. Yeah, but that's something my parents have always, um, I've always been really good with. Um, just kind of, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if my parents want me to say this, but when I was 13 years old, I got my first paying gig. It was at Wick Saloon. It was mm-hmm. a smoky bar. And right. Uh, they didn't stop me. They just said, okay, we're just going to be there with you right, to make absolutely. sure, you yeah. know, like, um, and they really supported it from, from day one. And that's so cool. And their, their main thing was, we don't care what you do as long as you're committed to it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, cause my parents, they never played music or anything like that. Um, I got, like I said, I got a brother that plays baseball. They never played mm-hmm. baseball or anything like that. So they're just very, uh, they're very supportive in that aspect like if your thing is you want to go to college and be a doctor then sure we'll be behind you right. if your thing is you want to go chase a crazy dream we'll be we'll be 100 behind you too so and that's i think i all the parents should aspire to be i, I try to do that with yeah. my kids too you know and uh and i know randy's got a couple kiddos oh yeah for sure i, I got a 19 year old in texas a&m so uh but she plays music too on the that's side awesome. and on the, she does a lot of all sorts of neat stuff and she's you know she's got her head together and uh she's still you know, whatever she wants to do, as long as she sticks with it. You know? Yeah, I think that's what they need to do. When that's did so you? Cool. St- we're going to give Randy some uh, some FaceTime here. Mm-hmm. When did you start uh, getting into the? Did you get into audio engineering first or video? Well, I did a well production I, after I got out of the military way back when uh, okay. in the early nineties after the first Gulf War. Um, I went to uh, Florida State and some community college, and uh, then started working in television and, and radio. And, you know, you always have to do your air checks and your, you know, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. And then uh was in business for myself for a while. Then the, that price point came down on equipment and everybody thought they were Martin Scorsese. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's true. So, uh, but I had a knack for fixing things and making everything work. So I, I, I moved into the engineering side of it. and uh, That's the part that's hard. Uh, <laughs> it, it gets a lot yeah. harder. The math gets harder. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the places you have to go to, to make it all work get a lot harder. But. Uh, we uh, we did disaster recovery after Katrina in New Orleans and kept WWL on the air with a group out of Baton Rouge that I worked with and we've rebuilt you know stations from the ground up and wow. uh, and then here and then I uh, had to get off the road for a while and I worked out of Houston for both Lieberman and CBS for about a you know ten years or so and then the seems like got a... crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seems like CBS would be a hard gig to get. Is it, I mean, it, it's a, uh, well, anything in the top 10 market and, and, you know, the top of your field, I mean, it's, um, uh, Houston's number six, uh, DMA, mm-hmm. uh, which is how markets are ranked. Um, even though we're the fourth largest city, it's the sixth largest market because okay. markets overlap like Dallas, Fort Worth is a larger market, but smaller cities. Right. Uh, so is it done more coverage, on coverage area? It's, yeah. it's done on your coverage area on how many people you cover. But anybody that uh, does engineering or anything like that in a top 10 market, you know, you're at the top of your game. And uh, it, But it's, it's, it's very demanding. You're on call 24-7, 
365. Yeah, I mean, it if a natural disaster this morning, or yeah. You, yeah, well, I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't matter what you got to go and put it back on the air. The storms, you you know, you you wait for a few minutes till the the worst part's over, then you go out and you know dry up the water and put the you know we've had assets on top of chase in downtown after the hurricanes here uh, i think that was ike yeah. uh, hurricane ike and uh, you got to go up there and you got to fix it put it back together make it work again and keep yourself yeah. keep them on the air because every every second you're off you're losing money a lot of and, money uh, you know people that are spending that money do not like to lose it right and, and they're uh, not very forgiving on that no they're <laughs> really not and uh, you know and but you also get to learn a lot of other stuff about the business and yeah yeah. all of that and doing all sorts of crazy stuff network and meet meet other people too certainly and uh i'm sure those connections some of those connections would carry over to getting out of when you get out of that and go into your do your own thing certainly too. it does and then uh you know over the years you make connections and stuff and you you keep them up and uh we uh, uh got out of that business and uh started my own little production company where we do all sorts of neat and fun stuff and uh when i first read the name i didn't realize the genius behind it and then we were talking last week and then you said it out loud and i actually understood it so randy's from cut and shoot texas and the name of his company his video production company and audio uh is cut and shoot studios and so if you think about i mean what do you say when you're producing cut You're shooting and you're either cutting a a track of audio, you're shooting video, and you're doing all that stuff. And it took me a while. I mean, I've lived out there for, you know, 13, 14 (laughs) years now. And uh, my business had another name previously. And it was like one day I was just driving through. I'm like, well, you know, damn, that makes sense. (laughs) It's so brilliant when you think it. Just sitting there staring in the face. That's so cool. And uh, so I looked it up and, and nobody else, you know, nobody else had domains or anything like that. So I, you know, did Kinda, all of that and did all the business and uh, it worked out that way. Yeah. And now you got to you do a lot of work with uh, John Schneider, who we played one of his, the older versions of his songs. Yeah, we'll for sure. Play another one here in a minute. But uh, so uh, for you youngsters out there, that would be Bo Duke from the Dukes of Hazard that your parents used to watch. <laughs> well, that's also Superman's dad from Smallville. Yeah. And, and, oh, uh, he was so, he was good in that and so yeah. you've gotten to work with Dean Kane and all that uh, yeah I worked um, with Dean Kane and uh, 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 on a movie called Four to Go that we shot out at John Schneider that he wrote and directed we had Carrie Cahill from The Walking Dead um, and some other uh other actors that have played various parts in movies. And then mm-hmm. we also had Mickey Gilly and Johnny Lee come out. And uh, uh, Johnny Lee actually had a pretty big role in the movie, and it's great. And uh, Cyrus so Vance, cool. he's the, you know, the, the, uh, well, uh, uh, I guess he would be the, the deputy in charge of finding the escape convicts. Okay. <laughs> all right. Don't give away too much of the plot now. Oh, no. They can all, it's all available online. They can rent that. What's the name of that, that movie? That again? was called Four to Go. Four to Go. Oh, yeah, that's right. You gave it to me. Yeah, I did. I've I got did a copy it. right here and, uh, on one of those ancient um, DVDs. DVDs. Yeah. It, it, but it is available digitally online as well. That's awesome. And then, uh, we had a lot of fun. And then we went up to. Uh, uh, playing John's older stuff, you know, back in the eighties, he had you know like four number one hits um, uh, and a bunch of number one albums and mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff going on. Um, you know, hanging out with Johnny Cash, all that cool stuff. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> good stories. Uh, yeah, there was a lot. There's a lot of good, neat, and fun stories. One of these days, too. I'm going to use my connection with Randy to get John in here. Yeah, and, and we're gonna we're gonna work on that real quick. But it, <laughs> it, it has been crazy. Uh, we went to Nashville and recorded 22 new songs 
And what we, uh, what the premise of it was is what the twofold. One, we were going in and we we're going to shoot the entire process of recording a, an album or you know music live in the studio. It's all stripped and cut down. It's pretty much one take with the best musicians in the world uh, that are available in Nashville, and we. Um, and we videoed it all. Uh, we had seven cameras rolling the whole time. Cameras uh, on the drums. Uh, cameras, yeah, cameras, on, on, yeah. cameras everywhere that we could get them and not be totally intrusive. Uh, you know, this, these guys got to work, as y'all know. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun doing it and shooting it. And it's um, and there's going to be a song released once a week for the next 22 weeks. Um, and at some point, we're going to go back and do another 30 songs. So it'll be a year's worth of music every week. And that the song gets released, uh, a, a music video and a behind the scenes video will all be yep. released once a week, and we got two of them so far. And when he says behind the scenes, I mean you're you're there, <laughs> you're underneath the snare drum. You're, uh, I watched that. I finally did watch that oh, yeah. video, and it uh, <laughs> it is. It's it's really cool. You know, they got the the cameras on on the guitar here, and then they've got a camera right next to the piano keys. And so, if you want to see a certain part of one of your favorite song is, then like like my key, my keyboard player, he might be just really drawn to like I want to see what he did on that piano, you know, like piano porn, you know. It's so when they uh, so it's very very much behind the scenes. It's really cool. Do they is that accessed through like John's site or uh, you can access it through John Schneider Studios or you can uh, go to Facebook. It's Artist Studio Access. Okay, um, and then uh, it's all available. Uh, some of it's behind a paywall, the behind the scenes stuff that's behind the paywall, the music videos are just some quick and simple uh, okay. videos that we're putting out and those are on YouTube and those are usually free. And then the music itself is available on CD Baby. Okay, cool. Uh, and those links are all online and on John's, you, you just, right. just Google it. Yeah. And while, we're, <laughs> while I, we're at it and I'm actually thinking about it so I don't have to force you to remember it. Uh, so he just had, he did a recording of Good Old Boys again with a whole plethora of amazingly famous people yes and it's for a reason it is it's uh for Wayland's diabetes foundation okay um we figured out that it was uh 38 years to the day that the good old boy song hit number one uh when we're the night we recorded it which is uh oh yeah it's not supposed to ring it's off uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but we went in with a uh, it's strictly for charity. The first song that we released for the, the year is Good Old Boys. Uh, and we went in studio. Uh, we cut a the first track, the master track, with all the musicians and stuff because we brought in like 40 or 50 other people, everybody from Tanya Tucker, Confederate Railroad, wow. uh, Bobby Bear, uh, everybody. And the There's musicians came back and sang Steve Warner <laughs> and uh, the Nelson Brothers. Uh, all of these guys came in and we all sang, everybody sang on it. And, uh, uh, and that one is just, it's a super and all of the proceeds go to the mm. diabetes foundation. For That's that. really cool. Really cool. I know wow. that in Texas, they just recently did the, the faith in the water, faith in the water, faith water, water, water right, where you right, get a bunch yeah, of people yeah, together. The, the, the Texas music hall of fame. And all be cool to get invited to one of those one day to be a part <laughs> yeah. of something like that. Wouldn't yeah. It? Yeah, I went up there. I'm just shooting video. And stuff, He's just shooting video. It's like, hey, I'm just a videographer, but I get to live the life. You yeah, know? No, I get to have a lot of fun. We had Steve Warner in there, you know, and oh, uh, so cool. um, we recorded songs. The 22 songs were from 
just so many different songwriters that were just off the hook and uh, it was just uh, the list goes on and on and on. And that's my 2018. My 2018 goal <laughs> is to write songs for other people. That's yeah. um, um, that's how you get paid, apparently. <laughs> apparently, but we and you and I were talking about that beforehand. Yeah. You can't just it's it's no more uh, one song, but you can mm-hmm. if with the way people get paid now, though, you can slowly build up to where you've got you know you get, first you cut one hit. And then now your reputation is pretty good. Like, oh, he wrote that song. Yeah, we'll write one with him. And then, but also the more hits you start getting, the more people are involved in your project. So you really got to kind of <laughs> start hitting like this 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 marathon of just people just taking your songs and because it's all yeah. it's hard to do just like a, be a solo songwriter and be able to get people to take your song. Mm-hmm. Most of the record labels are like, okay, well, they want to change this word. And you're like. Okay, <laughs> you know, okay yeah. change the word and <laughs> give <me> my check, <laughs> half my check, whatever. But uh, whatever it is. but yeah, that's what uh, I, I'm really getting to where I like to be close to home again. Mm-hmm. And um, I've done this for a little while now <laughs> and uh, we hit the road and we've done all that stuff. And the older my kids get, the more involved they get with the stuff they're getting into. And um, I just I enjoy staying close to home and I can do a lot from home now. We're doing this mm-hmm. from home, which is awesome. Um, and I can write songs and still be creative and still perform. And I love, I'll never get sick of performing anywhere. There's a stage that they want me on. I'd love to be on it. Uh-huh. Um, but as far as, uh, having to travel to do the business side of the music thing, I'm kind of, I'm trying to more streamline it to, to my house. Totally. Then it works for me. Um, but it, I, I do think that there's a value to it, getting out there and just hitting the road and hitting the pavement and just going gung-ho like you are like caleb who was here a couple weeks ago i mean you've got to go in there and and do it for sure and i i did it years ago and i'm just getting old (laughs) it'll wear on you being um, on the road regardless engineering or radio or touring or whatever and you're in different cities every night and i'm sure you know you're still nice and young and got plenty (laughs) of energy and uh, and all that but you know and so you You can drink every show and the next day wake up and it's no big deal it's no big deal so (laughs) you know so how many shows a week are you doing you know and then how many different cities are there and how many miles are in between Mm -hmm. you know so Uh you look at that odometer on the van and we, uh, yeah. <laughs> I go, oh crap. Gosh, I wish I had a van. Kenna needs <laughs> a van. I'm looking at my odometer on my car and I'm like, no, my yeah, car is brand new and it already has, I think, 50,000 miles on it. I think it's about a year. And you ain't left Texas yet. No. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, man, it'll, it'll do it quick. I remember when I had a, <laughs> when I was doing all that, when I was the road warrior and especially more of a weekend warrior, but you know, I did radio tours and all that, so I still had to do that. But I was uh, I was also doing a job where I was working out of my truck all yeah. over Houston. And so you add that up, and that it added up really fast. And then uh, I gave up the day job to just do music, and uh, actually saved my mileage a little bit on my truck. But <laughs> but then I started traveling further away to do more stuff. So it still added a, racked up the miles pretty good, but... I got a Toyota, two hundred fifty thousand miles on it. it. Runs like it's brand new, so I'm happy. Yeah. It's good. It's a good yeah, truck. Yeah, hey, that's awesome. They're, they're, they they run and run and run. I mean, yeah. hundred thousand miles on a vehicle these days ain't nothing. So yeah, they and, they run mm-hmm. good. Take care of them. And you got that Volkswagen, right? That's a good car. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm so thankful for it. Um, <laughs> that's a that's gotten me through radio tour. And right now, like I said, we don't have a van, so we're having to take two vehicles to every every show, every full band show, anyways. And uh, and actually, it's helped us out a lot because I live with my drummer and my bass player, and 
my drummer has two vehicles that don't work at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> two car, two trucks, two that, big That's old rock trucks and roll right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then my bass player just got in a car, a little fender bender in the West Texas. And I say fender bender. His truck was basically totaled, and somehow they all that it. was left was the somehow, fender. <laughs> somehow they brought it back from the dead. It took him about a month, but his wow. truck's back. But then it broke down in Abilene. So <laughs> I think they just got his truck back for the second time. So we're kind of, we're struggling, but this car is like the one vehicle we can rely on. The problem is we just can't fit all the Can't all fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the roof rack for the drum yeah, boxes. Just right? go ahead and get the cajon, throw it in there. Right, and just, we just need to get a, what is Put it? a hitch on it, get a trailer. <laughs> right? We're, I, you laugh, but I thought about it. It'll do. There's been yeah, some rough days. When I was a kid, we had, my dad uh, found a great deal on a Porsche 924, which is, the smallest of all Porsches. Like it's, it's just, it's like, okay, you want a Porsche? Good for you. Here's a Porsche. It's as cheap as it gets, but <laughs> it's a Porsche. And he bought it. He got a good deal on it. And then my dad, being the redneck that he is, he welded up. And this is before you could just go to to the store and buy a quick hit, the, the whatever the hitch that you have now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so he welded up a hitch and he put it on the car and welded it to the frame and all this other stuff. And he would pull our boats and cattle trailers and everything with this Porsche. It was awesome. Are you yeah. serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's yeah. my dad. <laughs> oh, I told, uh, I told a whole bunch of stuff that I probably shouldn't even with my Hummer. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will pull anything anywhere. It's not um, pulling it. That's the problem. It's stopping, stopping. it. Yeah. That, that, oh. that, yeah. Especially when you get up into Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, I kept, I was thinking about getting a, a Jeep. And I kept asking my like people that would know better than me, like, could I get a Jeep and pull a band trailer? And uh, they're like, well, you pull one, you ain't going to be able to stop one very well, especially if that thing starts getting squirrely on you. Yeah. And um, and I was like, what about those four-door Jeeps? And they're like, that's not a Jeep. No. <laughs> that's not a But, no, those things are cool. They've come a long way. I'm a, but I also have a family, so I can see the practicality of a four-door Jeep. <laughs> no so. doubt, no doubt. Those are actually, they're probably more popular than the small ones now. They people are now. Taking families on the trail yeah. rides and all that. I was watching my friend drive, uh, their son's 16, and he was driving a Jeep. He's, he's driving, and he has a Jeep. And I uh, might be listening to this, but I won't say any names. But he, uh, well, two things happened yesterday. I'm driving by their house, and he just pulls out. <laughs> didn't even see me. Just pulled right out in front of me. And um, I didn't have to lock up my brakes, but I definitely had to push him pretty hard. And then he starts driving down the road, and I noticed that every little correction he made was just this big jerky motion. It's like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, Man, teenagers can't drive, <laughs> especially in a Jeep because everything's so rigid and stiff in the Jeep. So, but um, well, hey, we're gonna take another break, and I wanted to play another John Schneider song, Certainly. and um, and then we'll play another one of your songs, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about more cool stuff.
Hi, I'm Howie Bentley, owner of Classic Auto Group Galveston, inviting you to the classic way of doing business, which means the customer always comes first. Need service after the sale? We've got you covered with our service parts and body shop. Let us cater to your needs the classic way, island style. Visit us at ClassicGalveston.com. Classic Galveston, enjoy the difference, island style. Welcome back, everybody. That time we got the whole, the whole commercial play. Yeah, yeah, that always helps. We're getting better every time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I decided I was going to bring out my uh, my notes here to uh, to see if we were on track and everything. And uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good with my memory here. Yeah, I'm kind of so. right on schedule. We've talked about guitar woes and steamboat and uh, supportive parents and the cross or a, a cross. <laughs> Talk about what you're working on. Yeah, I did all this from memory, folks. I'm Heck I'm getting yeah. really good, really good at this uh, radio thing. Well, you had two weeks to prepare for this one, so yeah, <laughs> yeah I started last night. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, we'll talk about just we can talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. But um, I do want to know. We played um, Drunken Poet's Dream because I remember that you covered that. What is your favorite cover? Yeah. to play right now oh gosh right now or anytime i mean mm. it could be whatever i think my all-time favorite is gonna have to be misery and gin by merle haggard all right um, excellent yeah that would be it so is there i have some new favorite covers that i have that i like to play mm-hmm. for, for various reasons is there a specific what draws you to that song oh gosh um i guess because um I, I really don't know. I just really enjoy the, the song. The feel, the ambience, the ambiance. Ambience, I don't know. In all honesty, uh, I like to play covers that, um, first of all, I like to play covers that I enjoy just as a song mm-hmm. and that the crowd responds to. And I feel like the crowd never really expects that song to come out of me. And I think that's why. I like why, to do that, stuff like yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, so I think that it always kind of throws people for a loop. Mm-hmm. Like, oh gosh, this girl's over here singing Misery and Jen. That's cool. So I like to play that one. People do that when I start singing Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah, they're not, not cool. expecting that at a country show. Totally. But uh, then we end it with uh, Chris Ledoux. We just kind of all blend together there. <laughs> then, awesome. I always, I like to do medleys. That's my mm-hmm. favorite. I like to just start a song and then wind up somewhere completely different. And that's how we do on that one. We start with Home Sweet Home Molly Crew, then we go to Oasis, Champagne, Supernova, and then we go straight into Cadillac <laughs> Cowboy. And so you just don't realize you're going to get to that point. But I think I, I need to stop playing the whole songs. Because I always, you go to some of these shows and, and um, a lot of the shows I've seen lately, and there's plenty of people that do medleys, but they're not doing a whole song. They're doing mm-hmm. a chorus, and then they're doing something else, and then there's something else, and they'll squeeze like six or seven songs in, especially the guys that have a whole bunch of hits, and they know that their fans are going to be like, <laughs> you didn't play this, and so they play a little piece of it. I've seen them do it, where they're not playing their cool. the whole song, of, even if they're own, you know? Oh, there's some killer ones out there from, uh, oh, man. Yep, there goes the names again. But uh, <laughs> thought that one through, didn't you? <laughs> I, I could hear it in my head. But uh, they do some great melodies uh, leading up into one of their songs. Yeah, and, uh, and it'll it'll come to me in a minute. Medleys, are, <laughs> medleys are fun. I, I, I over the years I've had several uh, that I've that I've done that I enjoy. There's the uh, there's the 
Ah, yeah, nah, see, yeah, see, you're it's, it's contagious, me. man. It's contagious. You're rubbing off on me. The <laughs> Sublime, where you start off with Sublime, Love is What I Got, and then I throw in a whole bunch of 80s rap songs. And, oh, that's cool. Um, and so there's that. And then there's one where we start off with uh, the uh, change in my pocket going jang a lang a lang, and we, we throw in God Bless Texas and uh, the uh, Toby Keith, uh, Little Less Talk, a lot more action. So I just have a whole bunch of those medleys <laughs> that I do. And then we do. Uh, Guns and Roses, every rose has its thorn. Oh, but then, yeah. but we can't just stop there. We got to throw in knocking on heaven's door on the same mm-hmm. thing. So, I always try to go. I know that from a band's perspective, like, oh, you play every rose has its thorn, huh? Well, yeah, <laughs> but I put my own twist on it, man. Like I throw another song in there. You there know? you go. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do what I gotta do. That's awesome. But it gets the crowds back engaged after a while. I don't totally. know. I'm still, still after all these this effort and these years that I've put into trying to just be a brand and be the guy that goes out and does the 90 minute set still have to cover four hours a lot of times especially acoustic yeah so nobody wants to listen to any one voice or style for four hours i don't Uh -uh. care who they are Mm -hmm. you could give me you could put me in front of my favorite person and i might be good for two yeah but maybe two and a half if i'm really feeling it and there's a good (laughs) guitar solo well it does a bunch of different things it not only shows your uh, ability to be diverse and what you what you might like Mm -hmm. and 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 helping your crowd and your audience go along, but it also shows that relationship between one type style of music and the next because right. they, they seamlessly blend and they do. And uh, you know, it's that same beat, it's that same rhythm, or mm-hmm. heck, even sometimes they sound an awful lot, a lot alike. And uh, it's uh, it just helps everything yep. flow. I mean, I've it's got a f- lot of fun to do musically too when you're trying mm-hmm. to practice something and yeah. you're trying to figure out just that really hard, you know. Or if you want to write something new, you know, you yeah. learn a different way. Of strumming or a different chord progression or something like that mm-hmm. i got a buddy ronnie tinsley that's doing country music now but he was metal like metal you know and he uh we asked him why he did a country album. like man if you're doing metal and you know rock or whatever and he's uh he was like well i noticed that whenever i'd go play these songs acoustic that it kind of came out country anyway you know because it's just <laughs> me and my guitar <laughs> So I thought it'd be fun to do a country album, and he does, and it still has that driving sound of a rock man, mm-hmm. but it's got the storytelling and, and the songwriting of, of, of country. It's really good. Um, so yeah, Ronnie Tinsley's another one that y'all can check out. He's I've done a couple shows with him too, and his band's tight, tight, tight. That's cool. And they got they got good gear, so it sounds good. <laughs> that always helps, you know. That. Yeah. It always helps. Yeah, production can make or break a good band or a bad band. Totally. There's a lot of good bands that get maybe more credit than they're worth because they have good sound people, and then there's great bands that without a good sound, if sound mm-hmm. sucks, sound sucks. You're not coming back to that show again. Yeah, no doubt. So it's a uh, very important. Sound guy can't have a bad day. No. <laughs> well, he can have one. Yeah, just one. He can't have two. It's like skydiving. You only need a parachute if you want to skydive twice. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So, uh, so you've gotten to meet a lot of cool people through this musical journey you're on. Totally. Um, and I know you met Cody the other day, but uh-huh. besides just... Coolest person I ever met, like the coolest hang, like who have you gotten a chance to just, even if it was five minutes, but you know, more than just the, oh, hey, yeah, I play too. And you know, like, did you get guitar lessons from a special person or did you, you know, 
A cool hang. If you need time to think, we'll let Randy do it because well, he's, he's got all these other he's got people in his really back cool pocket. Ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the coolest one here recently, off the top of my head, um, Pauline Reese. Out of everyone, um, I met her actually. At a, she was playing at a house party, uh, not really a house party. She was playing a house concert, okay. and we were all just kind of sitting around watching her and um, just enjoying our time out in West Texas. And after she got done. Uh, she could have loaded up and gone right back straight into her camper and just headed to the hotel. But um, she actually hung out with me and uh, my best friend, Morgan Rutherford. She's another mu- musician, another singer-songwriter who's awesome. And we sat around and talked to Pauline for the longest time. I was asking her advice about, like, like real advice. Uh, advice about, like, how do you afford to get from here to here? Like, what mm-hmm. do you do? Like, how do you do your spreadsheets? Like, real That's questions. That, like questions. Real yeah. personal questions, right? And that was the coolest thing because that meant more than a guitar lesson or a vocal lesson. That was, like girl like she sat down and was like this is what you need to do like you need to write this off as an expense right here like all mm-hmm. these things everything and she listed out everything how she how she does it and how she gets some venues to book her and how she deals deals with being a female in the industry and that was honestly the coolest experiences i've ever had yeah well those that. are those are life lessons too totally, not just totally. music lessons that's invaluable yeah. information believe extremely because that's the hardest question for anybody I'm, uh-huh. I'm, i've been at this 20 years i still don't know how to afford to do it yeah. you know <laughs> i know how to give my money away that's mm-hmm. no problem and i have gotten pretty good at writing stuff off mm-hmm. um which is which is good i had a good cpa and that yeah. part of it, it, it is valuable because it's the only way you sometimes taking a loss is the only way to make money in this business. It's <laughs> <laughs> in any business. <laughs> but, uh, but the business part of, of the music business is tricky. It's hard. It mm-hmm. throws you for loops. The performance part's easy, right? Because that's what we right. want to do. Totally. Um, and I think, I still think that, um, and maybe it's just because you want what you can't have, but having the team. That mm-hmm. helps you, a legit team, that your success is just as important to them as it is mm-hmm. to you. Uh, most of the people that we admire, somewhere along the way, has a team. Even old Ray Wiley Hubbard has Mother Hubbard. Oh, yeah. There's mm-hmm. there's somebody that cares just as much as they do helping them. Because you used to just be an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Now you have to be an entertainer. You have to be a Photoshopper. You have to be a video editor. <laughs> you have to be a social media guru. You have to... All marketing these, sales yeah, and yeah. everything else everything that goes along with business. To be, to be that because exactly. you gotta you gotta do that well enough to get noticed by somebody that will be willing to take over exactly. hey you're making money let me have some of that I'll do your job for you <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but you gotta get to a point to where you're doing it first mm-hmm. and that's that's rough man so anybody that can give you advice like that that's yeah. that's good yeah that is a good hang that's a better answer than I was expecting I just yeah. like you just got back from Steamboat. I'm like, yeah, this dude showed up. He brought this vaporizer. He was all like, <laughs> yeah, no, welcome Steam- to Colorado. Steamboat was some cool hangs, but not necessarily really life lessons. <laughs> yeah, that, that, there's stories about on top of the mountains that I've heard. So. Yeah, there's <laughs> Falling off of mountains. I've got some. Oh, man. I got one from stories. a Paul Thorne that was killer. Oh, was it? <laughs> hey, I actually got to meet him. Oh, awesome. I got man. to, actually, this past week, let me just, I'm going to name drop really quick. I got to meet Paul Thorne in... Uh, Mike McClure and Stoney LaRue. I actually got to play a song for him on the bus headed All back right. to Denver. So yeah. there's some cool things going on. That is that. cool, oh, man. Yeah. It, it, it's not name dropping. It's people that you get influenced by yeah. and everything else. We were, <laughs> it's name dropping. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, when we were shooting, uh, after we shot you know, many hours, like 10-hour day, and 
uh, it was what we called Chuck Day in the studio, and it was Chuck Cannon, mm. who's a singer songwriter, mm-hmm. wrote for Toby Keith and everything else, and, awesome. uh, and uh, he's actually buddies with Paul Thorne, uh, and I didn't know that till the last day. I was like, oh, <laughs> damn. Uh, but uh, he, we were sitting around. It was uh, me, uh, other shooter, John, and him, and he's got John's old, like, John's got this 38 Martin mm-hmm. uh, that he's had redone, and it's just the sweetest sound. It's like a little three-quarter size Martin, but it just, it's the best sounding guitar you've ever heard and you'll hear it on all those new tracks and he was just sitting around playing and it's like roll tape (laughs) (laughs) and it was you know it's just one of those killer hangs and uh you know john was just like holy crap you know he was sitting in there going okay what do you do (laughs) you just sit there and do it you know wow that's it's cool to when recording like that like the magic can get recorded Mm -hmm. i know that there's some stories like eric church doing something like that where they just um, he actually had videos of that where him and his producer would kind of go in and they, mm-hmm. there are times that they're just laying on the floor trying to come up with ideas. And then, <laughs> but the second someone would start singing or start playing guitar, the engineers in there just pushing the button. And there's a lot of stuff that got in his, in his album. I'm trying the, whichever album has the, um, whole damn house is going to be shaking, whatever that song oh, yeah, is. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Knock some sheetrock off the wall. Wrecking, Wrecking ball. ball, yeah. yeah Wrecking ball. But yeah. that that whole album, there's a lot of that stuff where the um, the the musical parts of it were actually done the day they were creating it, and wasn't even wow. part of the actual finished studio when they were coming in and doing the studio stuff. They were just mm-hmm. they just kept that, and it sounded really raw. Is that the same one with the Mister Misunderstood on it? I. Think that was the next album. Oh, was it the next one? Yeah. Okay. Mr. Misunderstood is a good is, song. I love yeah, that song. That's so good. Well, there was one. We uh... I didn't want to like Eric Church. I oh, did I not love Eric I Church. did not want to like him, <laughs> but damn it, he wore me down yeah. and I, I do I, I like him. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Paul Overstreet song, maybe a Bobby Tomerlin song. I can't remember actually who wrote it, but it's called Two Trains that were recorded. And you go in for the listen down in the studio, and that's the first time all of these players and stuff hear this song. You do the national number system, so there's nothing on the plate. You know, there's just a couple of some numbers and stuff, and mm-hmm. all these guys know what it means. And uh, you go in there, and uh, they were listening to the song, and they were like, "Well, wait a minute, you know, let's." Mm-hmm. And they actually just rewrote it right there in the listen down and changed the lyrics just a little bit and changed the meaning to some extent. And it made it such a better song. And then we, even one of our backup singers, uh, Candy, who sings with everybody. I mean, she's probably with a name like Candy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she couldn't do the song. She could not make it through in the studio singing the song because it just she just oh, I started and crying without stuff. giving it out because it's not out yet. So I can't, yeah. you know, I'm trying yeah. to be a little elusive on Aww. what the song's called. But it's called Two Trains, and that's one that's, that'll be coming out too. But that's, that's you know so that that whole creative process where you yeah. go in and bam, and then these guys, you know, you're listening to just a raw demo from either the songwriter or maybe they had some of their friends come in and, and mm-hmm. you know, help cut, you know, their demos and. They'll sit there and they'll rewrite it and, uh, you know, re, you know, just put it all together in about 10 minutes or 15 minutes. That was probably me. It's uh, somebody trying to get a hold of me that I don't really want to <laughs> talk to. Um, and uh, it, uh, it's quick. It's fast. It's, it's, uh, you go in and, I mean, we cut, uh, one day we cut six songs. Yep. Well, my, my second album was similar to that. I mean, I went and uh, my producer was here in Texas. He's out of Lake Jackson. Um, and then all the guys, we went to Nashville and we recorded at um, Oceanway Studios, which is just amazing. It's this old church. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And all the musicians 
are Texas guys, but they live in Nashville. So we still kind of tried to keep Texans involved, <laughs> but the whole process was so fast. Cause my first album, we went, I feel, uh, Phil Pritchett was my producer and my band played on the first album and it was, we just basically recorded what we've been playing for 10 years. Right. And it still took a little longer than it should. And everybody, some people had jitters and couldn't perform under pressure or it wasn't as clean when oh, you yeah. isolate them as you, as it sounds on a stage when you're in front of a bunch of people and everybody's drinking. But when we went to Nashville, it was the same thing. We, I went up there except for changing the words and everything. Cause I'd already had it all written down, mm-hmm. but I wrote eight songs in a month leading up to, to going to Nashville. Oh, Cause wow. I was only going to do an EP and then it opened up that I could go do a full album. And I was like, Oh crap. So I started writing. <laughs> And uh, I did eight songs in a month, and all of them, in my opinion, were amazing, like my best yet. And so we go up there, and the band leader came in, and he's like, okay, he, he'd already charted everything. So uh, the only changes we would make is I have a tendency of getting to the end of a chorus and then playing the whole progression of, a, of the whole chord progression before going into a verse. Yeah. And instead, he's like, okay, we're just going to do a turnaround right here, and we're going to go right back into the verse, you know? <laughs> um, and so we, we talked it all out. We agreed on everything. I mean, same thing. We go in the studio. Bam. They have a minute and a half, and all these musicians come in, and in a minute and a half, they play the rough cut that I send them, and they have the chart, and they listen to a minute and a half of the song. Then they go in. Everybody sets up. Y'all ready? One, two, three, four. Boom, 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 boom. The song happens yeah. just like you imagined it in your head. And that was the beautiful part of it. Because <laughs> the first album, it was what we could do and what it kind of evolved over time. And maybe not be what it was in my head when I wrote it, but it came to be what it was just because that's what we could do. But when I wrote the songs, you, you, know, you can hear it in your head what you want it to sound like. Right. That's doing it and, and thinking it are two different <laughs> things. But up there, man, it was just like, because I got, I got to have some liberties as far as saying, okay, my drummer hits the drums really hard. My bass player is a funk bass player. My guitar player mm-hmm. is from like Zeppelin kind of stuff. Like he loves that. <laughs> so they knew what my sound was and they had the right musicians in there to do it. And, um, but it happened so fast. Like you said, you, they listen to it a minute and a half then they go in and there's no double takes. Wow. I mean, well, there is, they'll be like, um, There'll be some inserts and stuff like that. Oh, we can do that just a little bit better. Let me me do a fill here. Exactly. Or they'll do two or three different parts. Like the guitar player was John Conley, not that one. No, the other one. Yeah, he was out there on the beach. But he he would just lay down, like, first he would lay down straight up guitar, and then he'd play some electric rhythm, and then he'd play some slide, and then he play slide with a different slide and then he would, you know, just, mm. he was, a, he was really cool and gave us all kinds of options mm. and, uh, lap steel. We had, we had so many, it was, it was really cool. It was great musicians. The guy that played the drums is Lonnie Wilson and he's played on thousands of top 10 songs. He's played every Brooks and Dunn, Alabama, Kenny Chesney. Like he's been on all, and I, I got lucky. I had all, all oh, these yeah. guys cause great, great they guy. should be a lot more yeah. expensive than it was, but it still was expensive for me. But anyway, but yeah, so, what I was going to talk about the crying part though was that I had a song I'd written for my mother-in-law and she had I mean it was like really recent when I was in the studio that she had passed away and I wrote this song for her and writing it for so writing it on paper was one thing but then we get in the studio and the second they start playing it exactly the way you were hearing it and I had to sing a rough cut over the top of that 
without crying. <laughs> whoo, that was whoo, that was hard. Oh yeah, I still don't play it live because it makes me cry. I, I'm scared of that song. Uh, there was a uh, during the whole process, even John, uh, and you'll see it when the the behind the scenes come down. I mean, everybody was just like, oh yeah. I mean, everybody. I mean, all the musicians because you know they can hear all those, the you know the, right. the cuts in their headphones and everything else. And everybody was just you know it's just boohooing all around, and, and it's like yeah, right, okay. I hope this one goes number one. Yeah. <laughs> I hope oh, so. You know, there's a lot of sheds, uh, shed of tears and stuff. And uh, so, where are you playing at next? Oh gosh, well next in town. Uh, next time I'll be around Houston area. It'll be February sixteenth. It's a Friday. Me and my me and the boys are playing at Firehouse Saloon. So awesome. tell awesome everyone, venue. bring Legendary. everyone out. Yeah. So we're trying to get as many people out there as possible because we want it to be a big, we want it to be a, a fun night because it's our first time we're in Houston for a long time and the last time we'll be there for a while, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, we're excited. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Does that make sense? sense? We haven't been there in yeah. a while. We haven't been here in a while. We won't be there, be here for a while. So. Right. So we're coming, but we may not come back. <laughs> it all depends if you show up or not and exactly. cheer. Yeah, that's it. No, I love Firehouse and I remember how exciting it is to the first time I got to play there. So yeah. congrats. It's going to be cool. Thank you. Um, I like seeing my friends get cool gigs. <laughs> the, uh, somebody, somebody else just got a gig at, uh, Oh, Heather Raylene just got a gig at, um, stampede. St- well, stampede, but also, um, watch my doodles out there. And Katie, uh, Moe's Moe's. Oh, really? oh okay. Like, Dang it. I've been trying to get That's into Moe's awesome. for 20 years. I can't get into Moe's. <laughs> That's, she's, but, um, she's really kicking butt right now. She is she's kicking butt well. right now. She's doing awesome. All my, all my friends, um, are doing female friends, man. Girl power, like yeah, y'all are kicking ass. It's awesome. I like seeing it, <laughs> especially because y'all are all good. Y'all have your your own style and your vape voice. You can play your guitar. You're not just you know. It's, it's great. You're the real deal. It's really cool, and you deserve everything that you can get. So well, thank you. I'm all I'm on board. Yeah. I'm team. <laughs> Team whatever y'all want it to be called. <laughs> Team woman singers. What is or, it? They have that thing going on, the, the grits, the girls raised in Texas. I oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I hadn't heard that, but I like yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's another It's Johnson. another radio show. So. <laughs> <laughs> is it a radio show? Yeah, I know it's, they a, do it's like, a radio and a podca- uh, video. Oh, is it's it? It's a live stream, but yeah. I didn't know that. I know they actually took a group of people and they actually like, go put on shows. I didn't know mm. that they did. It was a yeah, radio thing, too. Cool. So besides what's going to happen at firehouse because that's gonna that's gonna be the new answer to this next question yeah. what's the coolest gig you've done so far Ooh. okay um oh goodness that's really i got a couple uh the coolest show we had as a band and just like i mean we've, we've been a, a band since january so mm-hmm. we've only been traveling together for about a year now and um the coolest show we've had together was actually here in conroe uh at the the do Oh. And we had, it was the biggest crowd that we had by far ever, and, and it was all for us. It was our show. We we had uh, John Loring opening, mm-hmm. but for the most part, uh, we, we brought in a, a little over 100 people, and that was really cool because I, cool. I didn't know that we could do that. And uh, so that that was really cool. But um, I think other than that, the coolest show we ever had as a band was we opened, we got to open it for Chris Knight in Lubbock in October. And that awesome. was just, that was amazing. Um, big, big, big crowd, or how big it was the venue? Honestly, was? the venue was pretty big, but there wasn't that many people. Um, oh, oversell it, oversell, oversell it. it. It was packed. It was yeah. crazy. No, <laughs> but um, I, but the people that were there, I'm sure, were like totally 100 into it. Into it. Totally. Yeah, 
And it was just so cool because uh, Chris and I, he's a, he's a man of few words. He doesn't talk very much. But uh, after our set, he came over to me and shook my hand. He said, thank you for opening oh, like so much. Like Very cool. That's some really cool things. And I, that was cool just because I listened to Chris Knight uh, back in high school when I was a loser kid that didn't have any friends. And I, <laughs> I like to play music. That's I listened to Chris Knight because no one else my age knew who Chris Knight was. And so that was cool. Just to get A lot of songwriters really respect him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh, Zane uh, Williams is probably the one that has always just been so cool like there was one night he had just got done playing five shows in a row i think and he oh, was wow. sick and we were playing uh we were just opening for him and um over there at benita not benita, is it benita which one's in nacogdoches benita yeah creek. we were at benita creek and um he 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 was nice during sound check and everything and he's like hey man what time's your set start i said nine o'clock he goes okay cool and then he sends me a text at eight forty-five. he goes dude i really want to be there to support support you uh, opening for us, but I just don't feel good, and I need I need to get rested mm-hmm. up for my show. And I was like, "Well, nobody, yeah. I don't expect you to be there, but yeah. the <laughs> fact that you wanted to be and you texted me to tell no me kidding. that you wouldn't—that's cool. that's serious respect level. That's really mm-hmm. awesome. So uh, I like to see that there's still cool people out there like that. Totally, for sure. Yeah, um, so doubt. let me ask you some more questions here. <clears throat> me, I was trying to do this. I was trying to do this without having to pull up my notes and make it obvious anyway um <laughs> these are gonna be hard uh-oh i'm just warning you you can i'll give you a five um limit after five ums you're not allowed to um anymore <laughs> okay these are i should have warned you beforehand no i i, I like i want to ask these questions because we learn from certain things so mm-hmm. we'll start off with what so far musically has been your greatest success as far as you dreamed it up you had an idea you you had a plan and it worked out, or it's working out, or you're getting there at least. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm not going to do it, <laughs> but I am thinking about this. Uh, okay, I said uh, I didn't say um. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think the biggest musical success right now was this the EP that I just put out. Honestly, and that kind of sounds like it's broad subject. But it was the first time that I really sat down and I kind of had like a theme. My first album was more like I need I need to get stuff out there so that way people can have something to take home with them, and it was more of like a kind of thrown together. And this was that was like all the songs I had written at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, this EP, I really had a lot of time to sit down and write, and that I think I think it really kind of came out exactly how I intended it to. And, uh, but even then, I still think I'm growing from that. Other than that, the other like single biggest musical success I think that I've had so far was uh, getting Jarrett Zock and the OSR band to record something on Shine and then having that go to number two. That's awesome. Um, that was, I said, um, <laughs> that was the coolest thing. I, I, never really, I never really thought about myself as a songwriter that was going to give away songs or anything like that. Not really give away, but um, have other people record them. Right. Well, I mean, right and, now you're still trying to expand your own brand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so the fact that someone else thought highly enough of one of my songs to uh, make it their own and release it, that was really cool. And then I especially didn't think that it was going to be the number two song in Texas Yeah. Uh, for a couple weeks at that. It was, it was cool. Well, y'all got Dylan Steen. Y'all yeah. both use Dylan uh-huh. Steen. And that dude is hungry and he wants he yeah. wants y'all to succeed. Totally. I always wanted to, to do some work with Dylan. Maybe one day I will, but uh, he's he's good. So totally. he, and he he picks winners. He really does. He's mm-hmm. he's done. He's done a pretty good job for the relatively short amount of time he's been doing this uh-huh. so here's the next here's the hard one Uh-oh. i wrote down 
the way I phrased it, writing it down, it seems pretty harsh. We're, we we won't go there. Um, we talked about a success. So, what is a failure that has mm-hmm. taught you a valuable lesson, or has kind of taken you from? I don't know. Like maybe maybe we all have this grand picture in our head of how things right. should work. Um, but and we all try as hard as we can. It's part of us as creative people. So uh, with with failure comes learning and you get to learn and, and be better. So it doesn't have to be your greatest failure, but just yeah. a failure that you have learned from and maybe it'll help somebody else down the road or or whatever, but it just an interesting thing to think about. Totally. I this whole year has been definitely a learning experience. And that's not a bad thing. Um I can't say I've been learning strictly from failures, but I've definitely been learning uh then out on my own trying to uh run a band, just a little old me, and try to figure out how to get to shows and routing all of that. I think right now the biggest failure is not uh, focusing. Well, let's see here. How should I word this? Um, right now, and I'm still trying to figure this one out, so it's still kind of a failure, but trying to figure out how to make sure that my guys are getting what they need Um and not relying on acoustic shows to get what I need, if that makes sense. Make sure my full band is getting... That's kind of hard it's to explain. It's a lot of pressure. It's no, a lot of pressure. Well, it's not hard to explain to me because I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah. But that's the main thing right now is I want I want it to be fair as, as, as much as it can. And that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out at the moment. Also, a big one that I have learned also is speak up in the studio. Speak up in the studio. Speak yes. up in the studio. Yes. It doesn't matter if it if you think that your producer is going to knock you down like they're your producer. If they, they'll be honest what they think about your opinion, but if, if nothing else, try it. And if it doesn't come out the way you only want it to, then go back to the drawing board. It's it your work. It's, it's, exactly. a, it's your music. Speak it's your up. work. He's your producer. <laughs> yes, exactly. He doesn't have anything to say but what you would like mm. him to say. Exactly. Right. And <laughs> other artists listening, don't feel bad about, uh, don't rush, don't rush the process. Take what you have. Like, if you get in the studio and you knock everything out in one day for your EP or whatever, take it, listen to it for a couple of weeks. Listen to it until it annoys you. Yeah. Don't be in such a hurry. Because you're uh, going to come up with new ideas mm-hmm. about, ah, oh, I should have I I been harmonies yep. here. Dang, that would have sounded so cool. Like this. And uh, so sleep on it and then go back in the studio a few yeah. weeks later. So that's, yeah, that's the biggest things I've learned this year. It reminds me of a... Um... I have a book. I haven't finished it yet, but it's about Waylon. It's written by his son. I just read that one. Okay. So the story in that book was um, when, I forget even the kid's name that wrote it. It's not Shooter. Terry? Terry, maybe. I think so. But when he first came to live with him, Waylon said, if you don't like something, speak up. Otherwise, you know, you're on your own. But speak up. It doesn't matter what it is. Just speak up. And Mm -hmm. he told the story about how one day Jesse ran out of... uh, Pure cane syrup and used some other syrup, make maple syrup or something uh, like that, or molasses. Yeah, molasses yeah. He used molasses instead, <laughs> oh, and wow. so he was trying to be nice, and he was like, "Oh, these are delicious." And so she made them that way Forever. for years. <laughs> and one day they got in a fight, and he said something about, "I hate your pancakes," and he was, she was like, "What are you talking about? I thought you love my pancakes." He's like, "No, I was just being nice." <laughs> so yeah, definitely speak, speak up. up. <laughs> yeah. I love that story. Might have stuck with molasses pancakes your whole life. Right, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Well, that's too short for molasses pancakes. Amen. But, um, all right, cool. Well, that was, I thought that, I knew that would be kind of a hard question, but uh, I have a hypothetical for you now. Let's hear it. So I don't know 
how things are in West Texas. But I know down here in Houston, which Houston's a totally different music scene. Always Same has way. been, always will be. But right now, tribute bands are pretty popular. Everybody wants a tribute band of some sort. Mm-hmm. If the money was right for a one-year contract, mm-hmm. and they said they want you to put your expansion of your own brand, put Kenna Danielle on the shelf for one year for the right yeah. amount of money, who could you see yourself tri- being a tribute band for for a year? Like who would we? Like play? who would like you? The, yeah, who would you play? Oh who would goodness. you pick? I okay. I like Janis Joplin. I think I would pick some Janis. Yeah. I think I would love to. And you could do it every day for a year. I think I. Well, that'd be tough, but I think Janis would be the one. Um, or maybe I don't know. Stevie Nicks is a close one though. Uh, it, it'd be a tie between Janis and Stevie. Yeah, Stevie Nicks. That's honestly one of the best. Fleetwood Mac is still one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Yeah, I've been to a lot. (laughs) But that was still one of the best shows. I think Stevie might be a little bit easier on the voice and local chords (laughs) (laughs) for for one year. Yeah, there's a little slower. You know, yeah, a few more ballads in there. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So the other thing I, I remembered to write down that I remembered about you from knowing you earlier on. Mm-hmm. was that even at a young age, you kind of had a older songwriter soul. So mm-hmm. the people that influenced you, the music you liked and all that. So do you, were you always like that? Or was it because your parents listened to that kind of music? Or your dad's like, hey, if you're going to play real music, you got to listen to this. No, actually, I I was a big Ray Wiley Hubbard fan. I don't even know how it came about. I I loved Ray Wiley growing up. Because he's Ray Wiley Hubbard. Yeah, but if I I was the one who discovered Ray Wiley. My parents had no idea. <laughs> I took them to a Ray Wiley Hubbard concert uh, when I was ten or eleven years old. I was like, please, will we please go to this concert at Main Street Crossing and Tomball. I was like, can we please go to this concert? And uh, they were like, why the why in the world does our daughter want to go see this old guy? And they go to the concert and they they enjoyed it so much. And they're like, okay, I see, but just. Like, why do you listen to this stuff? And uh, Chris Knight was a big one that I started that I got into. And Ryan Bingham. Um, and these were all artists. I don't even know how I got into them. It was just one of those things I gravitated toward that type of songwriting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I like the older country, too. Um, George Strait. I, honestly, I grew up on 90s country. Yeah. Um, that's, all, that's what I heard growing up. And I just kind of branched off from that. Got well, into Randy and I were talking stuff. about that, too. I think um, what... About what age you're the most influ- influenced by music and the culture that is around yeah. you. And I think it's that sixth grade, seventh yeah. grade time frame and whatever was popular at then mm-hmm. is what you're going to kind of hang on to your whole life. I mean, right. you might have a rediscovery, I guess, but yeah. um, I guess I did. I had a rediscovery because, I mean, when I was sixth and seventh grade was I went from being a skater to a headbanger and I went from <laughs> Guns N' Roses and, and all that to Metallica, you know. Right. But then when I turned 21, that's when I was introduced to Texas Country and I was like, yeah. holy crap, <laughs> I can write my own songs and sing them too. This is awesome. So I did have a rediscovery. But there's still this thing inside my soul that mm-hmm. if I hear some song, some hair band from the 80s, I got to listen to it. You know, I just yeah. can't not. It's mm-hmm. part of my whatever. It's in there. <laughs> yeah. And even when I write, I kind of wish I could write that way. But I can't. Exactly. When I write, it comes out country. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just that's <laughs> what I write. I I don't know. That's I'm cool. trying to flex those muscles and and. and Get outside of my comfort zones a little bit and do a little more bluesier stuff. Exactly. Some, some Warren Haynes type yeah. type stuff and start breaking it down. Here lately, 
Here lately, I've been really, well, I've always been a big Whiskey Myers fan mm-hmm. uh, since I first heard of him. And uh, gosh, I see that go to all their shows whenever I can. But here lately, I've been trying to write more towards that genre just because yeah. with the band, like acoustically, anything you play is going to come out a little bit more country. Right. But with a band, like we just love jamming out on stage. And, That's uh, how we are. We yeah. love jamming. We have the most <laughs> fun when we're yeah. covering like some some rock song. Exactly, and yeah. that's when I realized I started to write like "Sipping on Shine." That one is definitely is a little bit more towards that. Yeah, uh, or "Playing with Lightning" is what it's called on the CD. That's definitely uh, that's our most fun song that we right. play on stage. That's that's an original, anyways. And so we're definitely trying to write more towards that because I I want to have fun. The boys want to have fun. So yeah, well, people respond to it. Live shows respond to it. It's exactly. really hard. I've got. I've got ballads that I'm really proud of, but it's where do you yeah. work Where's it in? Go? You're like, yeah, everybody take a shot. Let me play this really sad song for you. <laughs> yeah, so. keeping that show, uh, the flow of a show yeah. going and, and reading your audience and, and then, you know, uh, where do you put, you know, some exactly. songs in and where you right. don't and all that. That's always I, a, it's a task for anybody. I think being able to have two types, two types of shows is important. Being able to have yeah. your acoustic show be very, very personal and, and all that. And then, uh, and I still feel pressure behind an acoustic show. I'm like, okay, the person next to me just played a slow song. I gotta play something fast. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I'm, the same way. <laughs> I'm like, nope. I did Dripping Spring Songwriter Festival uh, last year, mm-hmm. and almost everybody sings a medium to a slow tempo song, and everybody's okay with it. And I go, okay, so am I then. And I've just so gotten, I've just gotten better at not judging myself. Like I just kind of, if they clap when I'm done, they do, and I. I'm, I'm I'm an entertainer. I want to make people happy and jump yeah, around. Uh-huh. But I also got to remember that when you're singing your ballads and you're doing it, if you can find that groove and put your soul into the words, that's still entertaining. It's just as important form of entertaining as running around exactly. and smashing drums with your oh, head. That, or, <laughs> I think it's actually more, and it's more demanding yeah. on the artists and stuff. When you can take a crowd that's riled up, and, and just bring them down know, and then just shut them stop up. them on their yeah. stop them on a dime, capture their full unadulterated attention. Yeah, in the first three bars, you have them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're going to remember that, and they're going to you know. And there's the some CDs artists that are better that. at that than others. I, 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 I haven't stopped the room with three bars, but I, but eventually <laughs> that's I, the goal. <laughs> that's just the goal. <laughs> I've stopped three bars uh, from listening to my music. <laughs> Um, All right, rapid fire questions, and then we're going to play some music and uh, remind everybody where we're going to be and all that good stuff and start wrapping the show up. You got some stuff coming up, too. Yeah, I do. I got something coming up tonight. Tonight. Yeah, you do. All right, so rapid fire round. Are we ready? I think so. I thought of these last night, and I'm going to make some more, but these are just... (laughs) All you got to do is just give me the the first thing on your mind. Whataburger or In-N-Out? We know the answer to this one. Yeah, absolutely we do. All right, Tex-Mex or barbecue? Tex-Mex. All right. Where? Where? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, I like Popsitos, but El Bosque has a mean chimichanga. All right. All right. So, uh, controversial questions here. Bucky's must stop every time or eh, kind of over it. Eh. Yeah. Beer, wine, or whiskey or all? Wine. Wine. Uh, yep. Taking after Brie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... When I'm listening, when I'm not playing music, I actually listen to comedy or I listen to talk radio or podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are you listening to when you're not listening to Kenna Danielle? Podcasts. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a, do you like the comedy based, music based, art okay, based, I'm political based? Running. 
Uh, I'll listen to the I'll listen to the music based ones where they talk to the different artists and stuff. But my favorite are the the true crime ones where they talk about murders oh. and stuff like murder wow. mysteries. I hadn't heard of any. I haven't There's heard of any. I have like four of them. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like they come out with a new like different serial killer profile every single week or something it's kind of dark but it's really interesting all right <laughs> i did not see a lot right. of stuff that, that comes out of your mouth i i, I kind of expected i didn't expect that one out of you. that's pretty cool that's cool, that's cool. um so it almost sounds cliche for a question but it is kind of a cool question when you write are you writing when it hits you or are you saying okay i need to write this month and you have a routine that you do to write songs or do you just kind of or, or a little bit of both that here recently it used to be all right when i'm inspired um the past year that's something else i've learned is sometimes there, there is no inspiration you just have to sit down right and you just have to do it especially out in west texas uh it's there's flat plains i'm from beautiful east texas mm-hmm. and i go to west texas and it just it smells gross and there's dirt everywhere <laughs> so i don't feel quite as inspired out there uh so yeah there, i this this year i've been experimenting with just sitting down and writing songs and that has been working really well <laughs> yeah there's a a lot of people say you just need to write something every day yeah. even if it's just one line or something yeah, but just write just keep it going and eventually something will happen yeah and it's not just writing yep. what you want to write write what you like too yeah, I, I exactly. don't remember where that came from and I, I wish I could remember the quote but it was write every day if that's mm-hmm. what you're doing write not for yourself, mm-hmm. but write something that you were inspired by before. Right. Exactly. And just always write. Make your you know yeah. schedule and, well, and do all that. I know that uh, Jason Allen told me one time, and, I, and I'm sure I'm misquoting, and I, I hope I'm not. Uh, Jason's good people. But uh, he was telling how he was talking to Dean Dillon one time. And mm-hmm. Dean isn't the kind of guy that just, like I said, I'm getting this third party <laughs> here. But he's not the kind of guy that just sit there and write to write. And he'll say, or what he told Jason was, if you write a song and it's not a hit, throw it away. And there's a lot of other people that say, don't ever throw a song away. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Don't ever throw anything you wrote away. And uh, my song, Old Whiskey, used to be a song that had, didn't even have a chorus. And oh, it wow. started off as really a poem. It's like in the middle of trees under the Texas pines. I'm yeah. from a small town that loved to hide. And that's not even in the song at all, ever. But when I started writing that Old Whiskey song... Uh-huh. Um, I looked back at that poem because I was I was writing about the exact same subject just from a different direction, and I was like, right. "Oh, I can take this and take that." And then when I was looking at this and reading the poem, it made me imagine something, and I wrote there. And uh, so I, I kind of lean on the "Don't mm. ever throw anything away," me too. but um, and not everything, in my opinion, needs to be a hit at this point. But if you're a hit song writer, yeah, and that's your job and you're, it's what you're known mm. for, then yeah, maybe maybe that's the the right approach. I don't know. I haven't right. <laughs> I haven't figured out the right approach yet. <laughs> There is no magic formula. That's the only formula. I don't formula think there's there a right is. way or wrong way nope, or there's anything not, else. No. There's just a way to do it, and it's exactly, your way. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so you're gonna be at Firehouse on when? February sixteenth. And people can get your music where? Oh, Spotify, iTunes, Pandora. If you just search Ken and Danielle somewhere in your your search bar, whichever whatever <laughs> website you're on, I'm sure something will come up. Yeah, so. it sure will. Um, the uh, the John Snyder stuff. That's uh, well. It's uh, John Steiner Studios um, dot com, or it's also Artist uh, Studio Access on Facebook, and that's the easiest way to find all the links. All right. uh, it's on CD Baby. It's they can on find YouTube you on Facebook and, too and see some cool. Videos yeah, yeah. There's uh, all sorts of stuff on mine. It's Cut and Shoot Studios. Uh, I think the shortcut CNS, and there's uh, Cut and Shoot Studios dot com. 
cool. as well for that's more photography and the business end of it the fun stuff's on the facebook and uh we've done all sorts of other things with all sorts of people that you probably haven't seen in a while as well that are on there and behind the scenes pictures and all See, that and I'm, stuff so. i'm angling to be a gaffer so <laughs> just sit there and yeah. put tape down and, and say i'm part of the part of the, the thing part of the crew here so i have let me talk about some of the gigs i got going uh so i don't forget here so i have my regular thursday open mic in tomball tomorrow at the empty glass and um so that's happening for sure. Certainly. But then starting tonight, I'm doing a songwriter showcase. Tonight I'm showcasing myself. Um, <laughs> I'm doing a song, a weekly songwriter-based, we'll just say based, show at uh, Pacific Yard House in downtown Conroe, Texas. And that's going to be a standing gig, and it's going to be cool. And I'm hoping that eventually I'll have really cool guests like Kenna show up and do yeah. a set with me. If Kenna's not doing anything tonight, she's uh, welcome you know. <laughs> to come and do a set with me. Um, but that's the the place itself. I, I've talked about it in the earlier shows, but it used to be an old ice house, just four brick walls, no roof or anything like that. And it was all old and ran down. But it uh, these people bought it. They bought the property, put a roof on it, and they kept all the old ambiance with the that's three times i've used that word today and that's fancy it's got a killer vibe Um, (laughs) but but yeah but the um but anyway all the old brick and everything is still kind of uh worked into the design and the and the decoration there and they got good food and if a train comes by then they have free jello shots um and it's nice. right on the it's right on the railroad tracks yeah, yeah. so um, the, and stage, the train there is timely yeah you get lots of jello shots <laughs> the uh i had to text him yesterday and make sure that that was really true because i somebody told me that the first night we played there and i was like i don't want to start telling people that you give he's like yeah it's kind of hokey but i was like it's just crazy enough to work though <laughs> hey yeah awesome. you can look the train yeah. schedules up at yeah <laughs> go to unionpacific.com <laughs> Figure out what time is best for you and your friends to come get free jello shots. <laughs> the uh, but no, the place is cool, and you should look into playing there too. Yeah, it's totally. um, a really neat stage. It's got a cool backdrop, and they got sound already there. Good sound, sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the food I talked about the food already. Yeah, the food's food, pretty good. Food. They have a lot of uh, great beer there as well. All our local breweries and all. Oh our, yeah. Um, you know craft brewers and stuff it's part of our culture now in texas the whole craft brew thing (laughs) you know is it not i mean there's so many of them out there barbecue tex-mex craft craft beer beer. and now well a lot of craft liquor now too that's true that's true a lot of craft liquor yep what what's that a heartburn you already got no no i just (laughs) and wine i like all the flavored vodkas oh Oh, man i don't like peach flavor i can't i can't do peach yeah, they, uh, it's there's something about a, the flavor of peach that just and everybody's gets getting in. into it. I think yeah, Kinky Freeman's got a new. Uh, oh yeah, you uh, were telling uh, me about uh, that last week. Tequila out, and, uh, tequila. And, oh. uh, it's top shelf stuff, and it's really good. <laughs> See, I'm getting I'm getting to that age where if I have a craft drink, it's going to be like fuller fiber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good grief. That's awesome. Well, I think that we have uh, covered quite a bit. Is there anything else yeah. you want to talk about? I think that's it. Randy, you got anything else? No, uh, but where else besides here in Houston? I mean, this show goes this is on the internet, yeah, man. so all true. your fans get to hear it. So Every, where else this are you is worldwide, at? baby. That is true. Yeah. Let me and, pull up uh, my schedule right here. We're in, uh, gosh, in the month of February, 
or from now until February, we're in Lubbock, we're in Fredericksburg, Midland, Alpine, Snyder, and then Houston and Corpus back in oh, Lubbock. So, so we're doing, all over. You're doing the full press <laughs> Texas uh, road show, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we'll be at I'll be at Southern Star Brewery on the twelfth. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you'll awesome. be playing there. That's so. I will yeah. be. We're trying to get them to bring us some beer up here to yeah, give to our right. guests. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we'll work that out with them. But yeah. anyway, hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, our guest has been Kenneth Danielle and Randy Young here, mm-hmm. and you can listen to this show live with the TuneIn app every Wednesday from between one and three p.m. I will love the a podcast version uh, after that, so you can listen anytime you want and download, share with your friends, your family, uh, all that good jazz. But uh, thanks for tuning in to KTXF, and we will see y'all next week.
Damn, that's pretty good. Classic Galveston. If you've had an accident or just a fender bender, the last thing you need to do is tangle with the big city. When Classic Auto Group Collision Center can take care of all your repairs, island style, our certified technicians can repair any maker model, and we back up every repair with a lifetime warranty. Classic Auto Group Collision Center now open at 6601 Harborside Drive, ClassicGalveston.com. Classic Galveston, enjoy the difference, island style. Bye, y'all. 